Simply Disgusting Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate right along with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined this week by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. And Josh Dean. Hi there. And today's movie is Searching for Bobby Fischer. It was Aaron's suggestion, but first we're going to talk about uh, what we've been watching lately. Uh, Christine, what have you been watching lately? So I realized that the third season of Making It on NBC had just started a couple weeks ago, so I caught up on that this past weekend. Uh, There are only three episodes so far, and the fourth one will be on Thursday. So I have watched all three of those episodes. That's the like competition show with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Yes, and okay. they are terrific hosts. And despite how like uh, I don't really get into competition reality shows that much, I yeah. love their spirit. And I love just the jokes and puns they make and everything. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch. Right on. Yeah, I've seen that um, advertised nonstop because the Hulu app on my television only shows the same four Hulu shows at the same at, mm-hmm. at a time when you switch to it. So it's always got MASH. Um, it's always got, I think, Handmaid's Tale and then Making It. Okay. So, like, that's that's all I know about the show is <laughs> is, is that. So, uh, good, good times. Yes. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Uh, recently, Netflix has released the first two parts of a trilogy series uh, for uh, based on R.L. Stein's. Uh, Fear Street novels. Um, okay. They were like a preteen book way back in the day. But um, they made them into rated R movies, uh, I guess, to age up with the audience. Um, it's actually really well done. The first one. I haven't watched the second one yet, but uh, the first one is called Fear Street 1994. Uh, and it's a really enjoyable movie. Um, typical slasher fare, but if you like that, it's really solid. What was the name of it again? Fear Street. 1994 is part one. Uh, part two is 1978, and then part three is going to be 1666, and it tells an <laughs> okay. overarching story. So the Magna Carta... This is part three. Pretty much. I forget what 1666 is. It's not the Magna Carta. That's 1582. There's something else that happened in 1666, but um, I think there was a lot of thought that it was the end of the world and that sort of thing. But uh, Josh, how about you? Uh, I watched a documentary called uh, Summer of Soul um, this past week. Uh, Yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, Questlove uh, from The Roots directed it and um, about a series of concerts that happened in Harlem in the summer of 1969. And um, some really good performances from like Sly and the Family Stone and Stevie Wonder and 
Fifth Dimension and all sorts of bands and a surprising amount of gospel in it. Um, but uh, they kind of use the music as a jumping off point to talk about the social context of uh, what was going on at the time in New York, in Harlem in 1969. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's really informative and uh, pretty entertaining. So, yeah, I, I would recommend people watch Summer of Soul. I've heard good things about it, and I've also heard people say that it made them cry several times. So I don't know if that's um, based on the footage or based on the story, but uh, that was the feedback that I had heard about it. Oh, I might be soulless because I did not cry (laughs) at any point, but I did enjoy it. (laughs) It's probably the performances then that they were freaking out over. Got it. Um, I watched a documentary series as well. The one I watched was called Love Fraud. Uh, It was originally on Showtime. It's still there, but it's also on Amazon Prime now. Um, And it's of particular interest, I think, to a lot of the people uh, in in this group because it takes place in Kansas City and Wichita. Um, The whole first episode is about the part of the case that happened in Kansas City and then they spread it out and talk about it some more, but it's essentially about a con artist who goes around um, marrying women to steal their money and then running off and doing the same thing over again. Um, And did it something like 10 times before he got caught. And uh, it's very entertaining and terrifying (laughs) that, that sort of thing is possible in um, in modern times, but it's a very good like all of these women sort of find out about each other and get together to take him down. And so the documentary is following them as they try to locate him, gather evidence on him with their own private investigation, and then get him turned over to the police for prosecution. So uh, every episode is great start to finish. There's lots of twists and turns. There's lots of stuff that they reveal all the way through it. Um, Everything up through the last 20 minutes of it are better than everything that came before. It just keeps ramping up and ramping up. Uh, It's four episodes long, uh, roughly 45, 50 minutes each. So um, I would check that out. It's Love Fraud. Um, over there on Amazon Prime or Showtime, whichever you fancy. But uh, yeah, we watched a movie this week. It was called Searching for Bobby Fischer. Um, Shockingly, um, only one of us had not seen this before. So Christine, what did you think about Searching for Bobby Fischer? I really enjoyed it. I, I like movies where it focuses on the dynamic of parents and kids. And especially, uh, like, how to treat a child that has, like, gifts that we're not used to seeing uh, in movies and stuff like that uh, portrayed like this. Uh, I think they did a very good job with uh, the dad being like, really, let's run with this. Let's uh, treat it like he knows what he's dealing with and he can take it and deal with it like an adult and 
and just uh, focus on this trust thing and make him the best one ever. And then the mom is like, no, you gotta uh, hold back a little bit. He's still a kid. He doesn't want to hurt your feelings. Like, come on. <laughs> right. I like that dynamic there and how they dealt with that. Um, I really like the sound, uh, sound design they use uh, when uh, they're playing chess and everything and it kind of fades in the back and you can just focus on the little details of the timers and everything and just the back mm-hmm. and forth. Those little details really stuck out to me. Um, the only thing that like irritated me just a little bit was the the voice that the kid used in the voiceovers, like the whispering, that uh-huh. that got to me just a little bit. I was like, okay, you're not you're not right in my ear there, but it it also kind of made sense because it reminded me of my nephews just whispering in my ear, like, come on, come on. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but we don't have to do this the whole movie. <laughs> Other yeah. than that, Sur- I liked it. Yeah, the original title was "Searching for ASMR." <laughs> so that might explain. There you go. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. You also have the uh, the whole juxtaposition of how he turns out versus how that other kid turns out, mm-hmm. and that other kid is the product of all the stuff that his dad and his teacher were trying to make him into. While exactly. His mom and Lawrence Fishburne were trying to teach him how to be a good person. Yeah. Josh, how about you? Yeah, this is uh, like my like I was saying uh, my third or fourth time seeing this movie. Um, when I was, I guess it was on HBO a lot or something when I was uh, younger. Um, Probably, I yeah, I would have been like middle school age when this came out. So, um, sort of like Rounders had an impact on my college years. Um, this movie had an impact on my uh, early high school, late middle school years, where I just got obsessed with chess for like one or two years and uh, did never got good at it. I was never anywhere remotely as good as this kid. Um, but uh, this movie kind of fueled my, my fire with that um, when I was younger. Um, so going back and seeing it as an adult now, um, kind of appreciating the performances and the parade of character actors. Oh my God. Uh, William H. Macy, uh, David Paymer, um, Freaking uh, Joe Montana, of course, Lawrence Fishburne, just uh, Laura Linney shows Laura up all Linney, of a sudden. Yeah, for a few seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was really impressed with the casting um, on this one. I also liked the Morpheus moment at the very beginning where Fishburne <laughs> uh, offers the baseball in exchange for the uh, the night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he takes the blue pill. He takes the blue pill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this, uh, the score was the weak point for me in it. Um, Mm. a little saccharine for my taste. Um, but I did enjoy how the director, uh, Steve Zalian, Zalian, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but, um, how he shot chess matches like a sporting event or like it, he gave it some energy. He gave it some, uh, vitality where, Normally, if you watch two people play chess, it's pretty fucking boring most of the time. So yeah, this was uh, this was way more interesting to watch as a movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and um, glad I watched it again. Right on. 
Yeah, I'd seen it before. I think I only saw it once, um, like in my mid twenties or something. It had come out long before that, but uh, um, it's it's great for what it is. It it it's a solid um, sports movie that also has the character uh, that has the um, child and adult appeal. You know, kids would enjoy this movie. Adults enjoy this movie. Um, uh, Ben Kingsley's fantastic in it. Um, I'm actually not a big Joe Montana fan in general. Um, but he was, he was fine. I mean, he, he did his role just fine. Um, I, I did write down, uh, uh, that William H. Macy in the, in the credits is called tuna fish dad, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Um, I, I also wrote down that, uh, if this were an R rated movie or, uh, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone production, the kid would have beaten the Russian guy in the park and said, trick or treat motherfucker. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Josh, I think you should get a sample of uh, Ben Kingsley saying, they hate you. They hate you, Josh. <laughs> That's yeah. my ringtone, so, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, when you get a text, you should say, they hate you. When you get a voicemail, they hate you, Josh. <laughs> I, you know, when I chose this maybe I didn't think it might trigger Josh. Uh, so. <laughs> it's okay. The tears are dried at this point. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I, it's a really enjoyable uh, movie overall. Um, it's, it's cool that it's based on a real person, uh, unlike something like The Queen's Gambit, which is completely made up and completely, you know, fantastical. Like that wouldn't have happened at that particular point in history um, where, you know, a young girl is playing chess against men grandmaster men like that just wouldn't have happened but uh you know that's still an entertaining uh thing to watch as well and you know a a nice fantasy um to have um i like the fact that the movie for for being about chess really doesn't go crazy on you know, they don't show you 20 games of it during the movie. Um, they really focus more on the psychology of a lot of it. And a lot of things are explained in sort of, you know, comments, like offhanded comments of the first time he when he beats the Russian guy and Lawrence Fishburne says to the mom, like, you know, he used multiple pieces to make an attack. You know, it's like. Okay. And that's all you need. Like, you don't need to know that, you know, well, these and this and this. And then it makes that moment at the end where Ben Kingsley says, you've got him in 12 moves. Don't do it till you see it work better because they're having, they're having that conversation in their imaginations that I don't see it. Don't move till you see it. I don't see it. That whole thing. If they had like pounded that into us earlier in the movie 
or or shown us him you know not do that correctly some other time in the movie it would have it would have worked um every time i watch the movie i think that he's going to knock all the chess pieces off the board at the end <laughs> when he has the flashback <laughs> to ben kingsley doing that to him um and i i love the way he has that like honorable karate kid style moment of offering the kid a draw He's like, you've lost. You just don't know it yet. You know, if you if you accept a draw, we're both the winners kind of thing. But uh, I thought all of that was good. Um, Joan Allen's very good in it. Um, Don't see enough of her in things. Um, And yeah, you're right. There are a lot of character actors that you're like, oh, these people are in everything. They've been in everything since this movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, most audiences, I think this is a pretty safe movie to put on for just about anybody, you know, um, we, we, we've had conversations before that have, that have weirdly turned into movies that our moms would like, (laughs) um, moms would like this movie, um, non-moms would like this movie. I think it, the Venn diagram of, of moms and people that like this movie is a circle. So, uh, so that's, that's my take on it, but, uh, I'm dying to know Aaron. Um, what the hell, man, why did we watch this searching for Bobby Fisher? Man, when I was growing up, this, this movie came out when I was eight. Um, when I was growing up, I lived with my aunt and uncle for a while, and my uncle was a chess player. Uh, he played in a bunch of tournaments. He's got some rank just below master. Um, but I was always just entranced by them playing speed chess. And I I would sit there and watch him play for hours on the end. And when this, uh, I saw this movie trailer, I just had to watch the movie and it became one that whenever I went to the video store, I would rent. Like I, I watched this movie so many times when I was a kid and, you know, back when it came out, a lot of these actors, you know, they were that guy, you know, you saw William H. Macy and everything, but he wasn't the William H. Macy we know today. No, Same with Lawrence a, a lot of these are just like I. I'm pretty sure these were just like New York theater actors because they obviously shot it there, yeah. and so they just got, you know, whoever the best person they could at the time. But they're casted like the same movie with this same cast ten or fifteen years later would have cost ten times as much. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, especially about- to get William H Macy to be tuna fish dad for one scene. So about three years ago, me and Amber were just choosing random things off of Netflix, and this uh, showed up in the recently added section, and I was like, oh my god, I used to love this movie. And I watched it, and I I was shocked at at how well it held up. Like, at the end, I I was like, man, that was actually still a really good movie. And uh, I always appreciate that when it happens, and I, I appreciate the the realism that the director went for, like the guy who plays Josh, he was actually uh, in the top 20 chess players in America at the Mm. time they filmed this movie. Um, 
yeah they it, the the way he filmed the chess matches like it, it captured that um that excitement of when I used to watch my uncle play and um I thought the music was fine it was a Horner score um and it, it was it was fine but um I did find out some years later that it it got a uh, Oscar nomination for best cinematography yeah. that year um Conrad Hall lot. right uh yeah Conrad Hall um, I, I looked up the director cause I didn't recognize the name and I was shocked to see some of the things that he had written. Um, he wrote Schindler's list. Uh, he wrote, well, he, who's, he adapted this. Um, I think yeah. he adapted Schindler's list as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he did, a, he did a lot of adaptations. He did Moneyball, gangs in New York. Yeah. Um, he recently did the Irishman. Um, mm-hmm. But I I was I, I really liked the stuff he writes, and I, I saw that he did that HBO series a few years back called The Night of, which was mm. really good. Um, yeah, so, I think the movie does a good job of drawing you in at the beginning, uh, especially for kids. I was getting like real never-ending story vibes at the beginning of the movie, where it's almost like the camera is lower. Like it's at a kid's perspective for the first like five or 10 minutes. And it's like following him walking out of school and, you know, him watching the, the men playing chess in the park and all of that sort of stuff. And it really, it felt like one of those, you know, uh, children oriented movies from the eighties um, it, it, it weirdly felt like an eighties movie to me. Um, which I think is kind of where like the score was sort of going to where the score like sounds dated even for 93. Um, but, but none of that's really a problem. Like I could see, you know, I mean, my kids are, are older now and would watch all kinds of stuff, but, um, I could see, you know, kids that were seven and eight years old getting sucked into this the same way they would get sucked into labyrinth or, um, or story. So, yeah, I mean, around the time you had things like, well, this is like Mighty Ducks era, (laughs) but it was also problem child era, (laughs) which, so like, Kids, kids were either the hero or assholes in movies, like at the in this time period. So it it was always good to see one where the kid was the hero. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, and uh, I I was actually I I was looking around. Um, this holds a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Does not surprise me in the least. Yeah. I mean, but but between the white appeal and and Ben Kingsley, uh, you know, I, I I totally get that. I I think this is an easy recommendation for people, um, you know, whether you've seen it or not, or if you want to, if it's a, if you know you're looking for something to watch with your kids that isn't gonna, you know, bore you or 
make you embarrassed for something that you liked as a child and now it's it's just awful kind of thing um sort of like the way some people are with grease um (laughs) but uh yeah uh i that doesn't surprise me at all that it that it's got that i'm sure that's the critical side because the audience of course oh yeah yeah probably only got like a 60 or 70 um from the audience because that's how that works I don't know. The Shaloub factor alone's got to bring the heat, right? I mean, yeah. Was yeah. he even credited? Yeah, he's credited. Okay. He's way down in the list, but he's credited. <laughs> he's only in like a he. He only speaks in the one scene, and then yeah. you see him again later. But um, he doesn't really stand out. And this was this was many years before people would know him from Monk and other stuff that he's been in. He's one of my favorite parts of uh, Pain and Gain, which is a movie that I just unabashedly adore. It's like the only great, great Michael Bay movie that that I have absolutely no problems with. I have not brought myself to watch it. You couldn't? I can't stand Mark Wahlberg, like the side of him. Oh, man. That movie is so <laughs> damn funny. everybody tells me that I need to just sit down and watch it. Yeah. I, I was rolling at the theater. I, I love it. Um, when you, when you sit down and think about it afterwards, it's kind of mean spirited and people talk about that online because it's based on actual events. And one of the jokes in the movie is something completely insane is happening on screen. And a like, subtitle pops up that says this is still based on actual events and and goes away (laughs) so pretty pretty nuts yeah so it's alicia's turn to choose a movie alicia what would you like for us to watch next time so i'm going to choose uh the 1997 movie the ice storm oh Uh, yeah and synopsis of that in suburban New Canaan, Connecticut in 1973, middle-class families experimenting with casual sex and substance abuse find their lives beyond their control. I remember liking that, and it's been a while, so that's a good one to go back to. Been a while for me, too. Thanks, everyone out there, for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.